Well, welcome to a uh, special midweek episode of The Buffalo Beat. Free agency is in full swing at this point. Actually, you know, the new league year doesn't start for another 12 minutes, which is when we're recording this right now. But the Buffalo Bills have been supremely active, even though they're unable to announce the majority of their moves for the time being. But we have plenty to talk about, including the marquee move of the offseason that uh, wound up having Brandon Bean, the team's GM, giving away his uh, his first round pick, the first time he's done that since becoming the GM of the Buffalo Bills. Welcome in to the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, is Matthew Fairburn. And before we get started, get into the Stefan Diggs uh, deal and everything that comes along with that, let's uh, first just run down what they've done to this point. And it's a lot on defense, certainly some on special teams and one substantial thing on offense. And we'll start with the Stefan Diggs deal, the wide receiver from Minnesota. The Bills traded their 22nd overall pick, the first round pick in this year's draft, including a fifth and sixth round pick in this year's draft and a fourth round pick in the 2021 draft uh, for Diggs and a seventh round pick this year. Now, in addition to that move, of course, they already Signed Josh Norman. That one is uh, has been announced by the team. They've also extended Jordan Poyer for two years past uh, his current contract. So he is extended through the 2022 season. And additionally, they have signed defensive end Mario Addison to a three-year deal. Vernon Butler, a defensive tackle, to a two-year deal. Quinton Jefferson, a uh, hybrid defensive end, defensive tackle, uh, to another two-year deal. A.J. Klein, a linebacker who likely fills in for the Lorenz- Lorenzo Alexander void, to a three-year deal. Tyler Matakavich, a special teams guy, he was signed to a two-year deal. And then just coming down a few moments ago, Taiwan Jones, a uh, running back by title, but more or less a special teams player. They signed him to a one-year deal. So, a lot to think about here, and Matthew Fairburn, we'll just kick it off with a Stefan Diggs deal because uh, that is the one that everyone is going to be talking about until these guys are on the field. I thought everybody was going to be talking about this Taiwan Jones deal, but I'll trust your judgment, and we can, we can kick it <laughs> off with Diggs. I mean, that was the one thing that I will say about this free agency period is that it confirmed more than anything else that Brandon Bean keeps late hours and um, you know, (laughs) all day they did pretty much nothing, um, you know, in the first what eight or so hours of the legal tampering window opening. And then things started happening fast and furious, you know, with AJ Klein first and then the Stefan Diggs trade, which, you know, I guess isn't a free agency move, but for all intents and purposes, it very much is. And it was a, a bombshell in a lot of ways. It is the that is the type of player that this offense has lacked since they traded Sammy Watkins, essentially. And and Stefan Diggs is a more productive, more ta- arguably more talented player than Sammy Watkins. He's a he's a legit number one receiver who now really puts 
this offense in a spot where it should be at the very least in the top half of the league in scoring and in passing and all those things. They've got a stable of wide receivers that not a lot of teams can match. They've got, you know, a, a rising star at running back, an offensive line that probably still needs some work, but it's returning all five starters at the moment. So this offense has a chance. I think Brandon Bean has built this offense to a point where it should be one of the best in the league or, or should be in the top half of the league, I should say. And um, a lot of it will depend on the quarterback. And if he takes a step, then maybe it does become one of the better offenses in the league. At the very least, Stephon Diggs makes them a lot more exciting to watch. Yeah, and that's really where this starts because just watching him, you can you can just tell on on one rep the guy moves differently than any of the other receivers that the Bills have on their roster right now. John Brown would probably be the closest just because uh, he's a he's a really good route runner, but Stefan Diggs is in his own class here uh, with that, and he can make defenders look silly when he wants to, which is a big part of it, <laughs> which is something we'll we'll get into as we kind of chop up this this deal here. But uh, but the player. It seems to be a fit for how they want to attack opposing defenses and highlighting what Josh Allen is best at. And that had to be a a box that needed to be ticked um, in finding a wide receiver, uh, it, whether it be on the free agent market, the trade market, in the NFL draft, whatever have you, that had to be what they focused on more than anything because getting Josh Allen to become that player is basically what this whole thing is about now. They have the team. And I I mentioned this on Twitter, I think, last night. I don't even know because these past two days have just kind of blended together with how much has been thrown at us avalanche style. But it is very apparent based on the way that they are doing their deals and spending their money and how the structure of the contracts are set up that they are all in on maximizing the rookie window of Josh Allen's contract. And that's before even the fifth year option kicks into gear in the 2022 season. This is this is a time where the Bills will have the flexibility as if Josh Allen hits, by the way, and if they sign him to a lucrative long-term contract. These next two seasons are the time where they will have the most flexibility in comparison to any other year because they won't have a 30 plus million dollar annual average valuation contract on their books with Allen. So all of these moves that we're talking about, all the moves across the the defensive line, the linebackers, getting Josh Norman here, extending Jordan Poyer for the amount that they did that winds up essentially being a a two-year contract if they want it to be. I mean, they have set themselves up to be able to get out of the majority of these contracts when they actually have to start making decisions. And decisions will come if Josh Allen gets that contract, but the, the long and short of it is, they are attempting to maximize the window with all of these wide receiver guys. I mean, Stefan Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, that's not going to be their core forever, but it is right now, and it's it's a pretty pretty 
darn good one to surround around Josh Allen. So it's it's very apparent that Brandon Bean is going for that. Yeah, this is more urgency than they've shown basically than at any point uh, since, you know, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean arrived other than, you know, flirting with the idea of trading for Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, that was the only other time you noticed that, you know, this team had a real sense of urgency to win and win now. That's what I think is different about this trade than moves they've made in the past. You look at the wide receiver class that we've talked about and written about uh, in, you know, great detail to this point. They weren't going to get a player at number 22 overall who was going to have the impact in 2020 that Stephon Diggs presumably will have. They might have found a receiver at 22 overall who could eventually become a Stephon Diggs caliber or better player, but that is a that means you nailed that pick at 22. That means you absolutely crushed it because if you draft a Stephon Diggs caliber player at any point in the draft, that's a great pick. He's he's that type of player and he's been that productive uh, over the first five years of his career. But they knew that yes, they need wide receiver help pretty badly they need a number one but look at rookie receivers across the league outside of that 2014 class you don't see a lot of those guys come in and dominate from day one you see guys come in and be productive Debo Samuel uh, AJ Brown DK Metcalf last year those guys had good rookie years and presumably will grow into more than that but what you know those teams had that that the Bills don't, uh, you know, what the Seahawks in particular had players that could be the number one while the, you know, while DK Metcalf got eased into action. The Bills could still draft a wide receiver, but now that wide receiver won't have to step in right away with the expectation mm-hmm. of being a number one, like the way Sammy Watkins had to step in and have all of that on his shoulders from day one when he walked in the building. They can draft a receiver or two, uh, probably, probably not two anymore. But now you're looking into that mid, you know, mid round, late round pick. Draft a receiver, bring them in. By the time John Brown and Cole Beasley are either done with their contracts, or you know, or the Bills decide to be done with those contracts, that receiver should be ready to step in. It gives mm-hmm. you time to properly develop a player at that position. And Stephon Diggs isn't going anywhere anytime soon. He's under team control for four more years. Maybe he asked for a new contract. Uh, it's possible, but uh, you know they could get that done. Right now, he's on a great deal, a well below market value deal for what he's done in his career. So it's possible he'll want a new deal. But either way, under team control for four years, not going anywhere unless he really wants to, to force his way out of town, which doesn't seem likely. Uh, so You've got more flexibility now at the wide receiver position, and really the the combination of players they have, like I said, it's it's you know probably the it's the best group of wide receivers in the division, one of the best group of, groups of wide receivers in the entire AFC. Um, there's a handful of teams you could say have have better, but this is a really good group of pass catchers. If Dawson Knox takes mm-hmm. a step forward and Devin Singletary takes the jump, people expect. All of a sudden, you've got a collection of skill talent that is right up there, um, you know, with some of the best offenses in football, and that should help you even more determine the answer on the quarterback. Uh, and not only is there an urgency to win because, like you said, the the window to 
become a you know perennial you know playoff contender and and potential Super Bowl contender at some point opens now with Tom Brady leaving the division and leaving the conference and then with the way this roster is set up and the way the salary cap is you know set up right now this is their time to make that run but not only that it's also the time to figure out what you have in your quarterback because you have to make the decision on the fifth year option next spring and eventually sometime shortly after that you have to decide whether to hand him a huge contract that completely alters the state of your salary cap and the construction of your roster so the time to to go for it was now uh the price you know it was steep if you compare it to DeAndre Hopkins uh mm-hmm. trade but overall trading a first round pick and you know the the few later round picks they traded for a guy like Stefan Diggs to me isn't it's not a, a terrible you know price to pay uh, you know this is a really good football player they they wouldn't do it if they didn't think that they could a keep the guy around for a while and with his contract that should be possible and b that the guy's best football was in front of him and this guy is still young in the prime of his career uh his best football should still be in front of him provided that you know the the marriage between quarterback and receiver is is a good one i didn't mind the cost either i think um when you take a step back and you don't compare it to good old Billy O'Brien, then I think what you end up having is just a, just a, a deal where it's essentially the 22nd overall pick for Stefan Diggs. And that's a good deal, in my opinion, because I know it, they also got the the fifth and sixth and the next year's fourth, which in... Um, negotiation terms is actually a round lower so it's considered a fifth by value standpoint Um, but basically trading away the picks you acquired for Wyatt Teller last summer and and then an additional fourth for Stefan Diggs and uh, and and seventh round pick I think that's a that's a pretty stinking good deal for them and I don't think Brandon Bean is going to lose sleep over the value on that especially if they were thinking about drafting a wide receiver um, at 22 in itself and they probably knew that the top three receivers were not going to be on the board by the time 22 came around and maybe for them it's not even a top three maybe it's only a top two or a top one I mean one guy I thought that would look really damn good in their offense, but has no shot of getting to them at 22 overall was C.D. Lamb. So what Brandon Bean did, instead of waiting to see where the chips fell, he got aggressive, which he is prone to do. And we've seen that on draft day and certainly trade deadline 2017. We saw that with Kelvin Benjamin. But when he sees an opportunity to strike for something, he does it. And getting, assuring himself a dynamite wide receiver talent and th- not just not just a good player like borderline great player if he hits the way that they think he can and if he is used the way that quite honestly he deserves to be used in the NFL they would be very lucky to get anything close to that uh at the 22nd 
overall selection. So I, I didn't mind the cost whatsoever, but now it's about maximizing that guy and figuring out how to make it work the way that Minnesota couldn't. And I do think that um, they have some things going for them that Minnesota quite honestly did not. Um, and just by going through and watching all of the all of the Vikings offense stuff from last year, the, the two things that stood out to me more than anything was, gosh, how much they they ran the ball, which is pretty pretty easy to see just by going back and looking in the stats and how much they relied on Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison and their screen game. Uh, but also how few time how little uh, Kirk Cousins really, took advantage of down-the-field opportunities. And that was an issue. And um, Stefan Diggs would be getting open a bunch, and the ball wouldn't be delivered to him. You know, sometimes it was an offensive line breakdown, but a lot of times it was Cousins just trying to at least get some yards on a play. And that led to, I think, a lot of the frustration, or at least the demonstrative actions uh, that Diggs showed throughout the season last year. And that certainly didn't help the situation by any means. Adam Thielen getting injured when he did right in the middle of the year certainly didn't help things because that put that much more attention from defenses on Stefan Diggs. But this is a guy that can set up any cornerback and beat him. I'm not just talking about like the, the average to below average to slightly above average guys. He goes toe-to-toe with some of the better cornerbacks in the league. I'm talking about Darius Slay. I'm talking about Byron Jones, who just got a big deal from from uh, Miami. I'm talking about Jair Alexander, who is uh, an up-and-coming player for Green Bay um, and, and probably their best cover corner right now. I mean, this is a guy who can flip them around, and the Bills haven't had that. And I don't even know if Sammy Watkins had that ability to flip um, – defenders around he he won in different ways but separation winning at the catch point these are all things that Stefan Diggs does extremely well and does it in a fairly small package uh based on what you would expect for a guy that's six feet 192 pounds yeah I think there's probably going to be some misconception when people look just at the size of the player and think that you know it's another smaller receiver and this isn't going to be you know, this isn't what they need, but he does a lot of things. I mean, he's great in contested catch situations, which is a start. You know, you. I mean, you don't need to be big to be good at that. Uh, Calvin Benjamin wasn't that good at it, and he was huge. So Stefan Diggs is really good there. The one spot where it becomes a bit of an odd marriage is the fact that Stefan Diggs is one of, if not the best deep receivers in football. Um, he is really good down the field um you know had quarterbacks had a 120 something passer rating when throwing the ball 20 yards or more down the field to Stefan Diggs Josh Allen had a roughly 50 passer rating when throwing the ball 20 yards or more down the field so the question is will Stefan Diggs make Josh Allen better in that area you know will he help Josh Allen finally figure out that part of his game or will that be a point of frustration for Diggs and this offense? But what Diggs does well that I think is also 
going to be a huge boost to Josh Allen is in some ways you don't need guys that guys that win in contested situations are great because Josh Allen is aggressive. But what's even better than winning in contested situations is making sure you're not in them that often. And you do that by getting open. And Stefan Diggs does that as well as almost any receiver in the league. He's a tremendous route runner. Um, like you said, he, he's able to set up cornerbacks and, and find separation. And he's not just a deep receiver. He's really good at that when utilized properly, but he can also carve up the short and intermediate areas and help Josh Allen in that way. So even if the deep ball isn't always there, and even if that's not perfect, he's a guy that's getting open. And when guys get open, those are easy completions to find. And I, I think Josh Allen will find plenty of what look like easy completions to Stefan Diggs because of how seamlessly he beats mm-hmm. man coverage. Yeah. And that throwing window is going to be larger with him than, than any of the receivers that they have on their roster right now. Of course, uh, you know, the Cole Beasley does a nice job with setting up defenders, but that's, that's uh, very much within the zero to eight yard range for him. That's, that's where he kind of does his bidding, but when Stefan Diggs was getting the most frustrated, it wasn't on the deep down the field stuff because Kirk Cousins would actually throw those. It was in that intermediate area that we're talking about. And that's a strength of Josh Allen um, and where he grew the most in terms of accuracy last season. And it's certainly a strength of uh, the offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, to scheme things open in the intermediate areas. Now, the, the one area that Josh Allen needs to work on is in throwing with anticipation. That is something that isn't all the way consistent for him. He shows flashes of it, but against man coverage, against zone, it doesn't matter. He needs to throw the ball with more anticipation, and especially with a guy like Stefan Diggs, who understands zone coverages. You can see it. You can see him reading defenders. You can see him um, studying the the body language, the body positioning of defenders as he's going through his routes and then settling into a soft spot. Um, that ball needs to be out before he settles into the soft spot, which is why that relationship is going to be vital. And I think, you know, if it it's always tough trying to trying to play the guessing game, but I think Josh Allen is going to have to do a a pretty good job of making sure that he stays engaged with Stefan Diggs throughout the week, throughout the season. I mean, one of his he was pretty good buddies with LaShawn McCoy, and I think LaShawn McCoy is pretty similar in terms of personality, being a bit more mercurial um, than most players in the locker room. And I think I think Stefan Diggs shares some of those traits, just reading some of the stuff that uh, Tim Graham wrote um, when, when he talked to Ben Lieber, who's the sideline reporter for the Vikings broadcast, also a former NFL player. Um, they, they share some of those same qualities, and Allen did a really nice job uh, being that guy and keeping that that door open with McCoy always. McCoy loved Allen, so I wonder if that's that needs to be a concerted effort because the coaching can only go so far. I mean, the the, the player has to respect the guy that's throwing him the ball and and make sure that they're always on the same page. And I think that's going to fall under 
uh, Allen's umbrella more than it is McDermott or Dable or Ken Dorsey or Chad Hall or any of these guys. I think I think that's one of the most underrated but important parts to this deal. Yeah, I think the stuff about his personality is really hard to judge. But what I will say is that he is a a guy that seems like what the locker room is missing a little bit of. You know, I you don't. We talked about this a little bit on on the podcast. Uh, the, the character is great, uh, and but it comes in so many different forms, and it does not. And they've even said this that it does not mean somebody needs to be a choir boy to fit into what they're doing. And sometimes you want football players to be to have an edge to to have that competitive edge to to have. Uh, you know, a little bit of a screw loose to be, you know, a little bit over the top with their, their competitiveness and, you know, play mean a little bit. And I think Stefan Diggs, I mean, just watching him, I, I don't know him personally. And which, which is why I don't know that I, you know, know one way or another, you know, whether he's going to fit into this locker room or what he'll be like as a teammate. Sometimes we don't even know that being in the locker room every day. You know, there's a certain side right. of these guys Absolutely. that we never see. And so I do try to tread lightly when it comes to, you know, saying who these guys are and who they're not. But on the field, do you see that passion and that um, that alpha dog personality come out when he plays? And, and they need some of that, quite frankly. Uh, they don't have a tremendous amount of it. And I think this offense, you know, could use a little bit of attitude and somebody who, you know, wants the ball all the time. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Now, the only way it becomes a bad thing is if, and presumably this isn't the case because we would have heard about it by now, but, you know, if he do, if he didn't want to be here, if he didn't want to be a part, if he was not happy about getting traded to Buffalo or if mm-hmm. the contract became an issue, that probably would have come up by now. Um, you know, those types of things tend to materialize pretty quickly, a la Antonio Brown um, and other situations. So um, I think, you know, all of that stuff, I think he's going to fit in okay. Pre- assuming he's happy with the trade, assuming his contract isn't an issue, or they rework it if it is, I think he'll he'll be fine. The question is, you know, they have to if he if they're winning and he's getting the football he's going to be happy if they if things don't work out and they struggle and all these pieces mm-hmm. don't materialize because let's not forget too they're not in all likelihood not going to have a not the full complement of spring workouts that they usually have odds are they won't have any at this point um, the way everything's happening with the coronavirus training camp. Who knows if it'll start on time? Uh, if it doesn't, you're talking about abbreviated windows for guys to get familiar with each other and for offenses to come together. And that's a part of this that's a little bit up in the air. But frankly, they're in better shape than a lot of teams in that regard. They've got their whole offensive line coming back, assuming they don't want to upgrade. They've got two of their top receivers all their tight ends, their running back, their quarterback, their offensive coordinator, they're not changing a lot of pieces. All they're doing is plugging one guy in. And it's a guy who 
judging by the way he runs routes and talking to some people who have coached him, he is very he's a very quick study and he's a good student uh, when it comes to mm-hmm. grasping an offense. So none of that should be a, a huge issue. I think, you know, he'll, he's going to fit in fine. And will it make him, you know, I, I'm just curious to see how the ball gets distributed and how he feels about it. Is he going to be, we haven't seen a receiver here in Buffalo since I've been covering the team. We haven't seen a receiver put up those big time number one numbers. John Brown was pretty close this year. Sammy Watkins flirted with it a couple of times, but we haven't seen it. Uh, I don't even know if you've seen it since you've been covering this nope. team. Maybe a Lee Evans year here or there, but it's really been since Eric Moulds. Um, you know, he could be the most productive receiver since Eric Moulds if they want to make him that way, but there's no guarantee that that it'll all materialize. So, We'll see. It's it's a it's a roll of the dice in in that regard, but I mean, you take that chance on really talented players, and they're confident in their locker room and the ability they have to absorb bigger personalities now that their culture's in place. Yeah, this is a. Uh, I think with with Diggs, how they get him involved will be everything, um, and you know, John Brown wants to be involved as does Cole Beasley and as you put it they have a lot of mouths to feed but all that said you know Diggs is the game breaker here he's the guy that can be the new default for their offense and really help define who they're going to be and help Josh Allen grow into what they hope he will he will become and that's that's the biggest part about this giving Allen enough of enough ammo enough weapons to succeed in the NFL and that's not to say that you know some other quarter quarterbacks can um, that that end up being great it's not to say that they can't get to that level without having weapons like this but you know Patrick Mahomes is amazing right and and everyone sees that but He's also got a dynamite group of wide receivers with Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins as their number two, which Sammy Watkins was the Bills' number one for uh, for quite some time. And, you know, now now he shifted into that number two role for them. So Really a number three with Travis Kelsey. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. So when you have those type of wep- weapons at your arsenal, that's, that's a humongous thing for a young quarterback to be able to – realize that potential so now from here it's on Josh Allen and I know we're going to get much more into Allen and I wanted to focus more on Diggs than anybody uh, today just because I think the way he kind of shapes everything who he is um, how he'll fit in everything like that is the most important part but you know, there's going to be a lot of discussion about Allen and and what this means for him moving forward and uh, those will be some some fun episodes moving forward. Yeah, because that's going to be really the story of of this season, I think, is how, I mean, certainly how he develops, but all of this is going to play into that, how he assimilates to having a number one wide receiver, how that 
you know, whether he's able to take advantage of that and what that means for this team that the rest of the roster is built in such a way where if there weren't questions about the quarterback, there would be a lot of people talking about this team as a potential threat to the Chiefs. And right now, there's probably still people out there thinking that, right? There's probably still some people that are, they're probably still going to be a trendy pick in the AFC to make a run and, you know, potentially find their way into the Super Bowl. But so much of that depends on Josh Allen and where he goes uh, from here. So they've now removed a lot of barriers to success for him. He's got, uh, they rebuilt his offensive line last year. Now he's got a great group of receivers to throw to. He should have a strong running game with Devin Singletary in the backfield. It's year three. He's had the, the same offensive coordinator all three years, which is a luxury for a young quarterback. This is it. I, I know people say it takes time, and I know he, from where he came from and where he was starting from, you've got to be patient in the development, but year three is kind of kind of the year. And he took a, a pretty big step last year, but there's uh, more strides to be taken, and I, I think they know that, but they're confident that he's going to be able to pull it off, and that's why they're being so aggressive. They think this is the year that he can take that jump, and this is the year that they can – win a playoff game, not just get there. So um, I say, you know, kudos for being aggressive. Uh, I think it ne- they needed to do something to, to improve this offense. And the quickest way to do it was with a trade. There was not a receiver out there that they could have convinced. Really, Amari Cooper hit free agency but didn't. You know, it sounds like it was going to take – quite the haul to get him away from Dallas and they paid him 20 million a year anyways. So that was unrealistic. Other than that, there was not a receiver on the market better than Stefan Diggs. DeAndre Hopkins apparently was on the market and who knows if Bill O'Brien called around or if the bills kicked the tires on that or if, but also wants a new contract also wants a new contract. I'd still, you know, Stefan Diggs might want one too at whether it's now or a year from now. And he is less of a leg to stand on than Hopkins, though, right now. Yeah, slightly. He's still, you know, DeAndre Hopkins has what end of 2022 is his contract. I think he's got a few years. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of like production, he's he's, the best. It's unmatched. Best receiver, maybe the best receiver in football. I think he is. But um, I don't know if they they picked up the phone and made that call. Uh, I don't know if Bill O'Brien didn't want to deal him within the conference. I still think you'd rather have DeAndre Hopkins at at 20 million a year, but not not, you know, a bad job to get Stefan Diggs. That's a good thing. Uh at the price, r- the price really wasn't terrible. If the DeAndre Hopkins trade never happened, nobody would even bat an eye at the price. Uh that's the type of how good Stefan Diggs is when he's clicking. So yeah, the only really the only thing they could have done better would be would have been to get DeAndre Hopkins. But other than that, this was the best fix available this offseason for mm-hmm. this passing game. And in that regard, you can stomach losing the 22nd overall pick because they've still got a few picks. They can still um, you know, add some impact players on day 2. 
And they got a player that, you know, should be more impactful than any receiver in the in this class, at least next year. You know, maybe one of those guys develops into a better player than than Diggs is, but that'll take a few years and and they needed this shot in the arm now. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, we're going to get to some of the other free agent uh, signings or reported agreements uh, as uh, as they're going with. The Bills are doing a cheeky little thing where they're pointing to reports. We've agreed to terms with such and such without officially announcing it. It's their way to kind of circumvent not uh, announcing it without announcing it and, uh, and all that good stuff. But first, some messages from our sponsors. First, Hydrant. Top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can serve even you can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BILLS at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BILLS for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BILLS. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Quote, go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween, end quote. Quote, we felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left, end quote. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. Talk about that commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with code BILLS. That's theblacktux.com, code BILLS for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. All right, let's get into some of these other uh, agreements, we'll call them. And I think the the place to, to start is probably along the defensive line because that's where they focused the majority of their attention. They brought in um, Mario Addison, who is probably their, their marquee addition of the three, um, the defensive end from the Carolina Panthers. He's on a three-year deal, which when you look at the numbers, it actually boils down to a two-year deal that they can get out of easily in that third year with with uh, a very small dead cap hit. And then uh, they also added 
Quentin Jefferson, the uh, defensive end, defensive tackle hybrid, who's 6'4", 290 pounds, play for Seattle. Um, probably will play a little three-tech, probably uh, could play some defensive end as well. Just a, a nice little chess piece for Sean McDermott. He's on a two-year deal. And then uh, Vernon Butler was signed to an on-paper two-year deal. He's a defensive tackle that Brandon Bean had a hand in drafting in Carolina. Um, but uh, that two-year deal can be boiled down to basically a one-year agreement that they can get out from easily with only a million tied to uh, to their salary cap in 2021 if they were to walk away. So thoughts on on those additions, Matthew, and uh, and what they're trying to do here? Yeah, I'm curious to see how all these pieces are going to fit together on the defensive line because they can all, outside of probably Mario Addison, Vernon Butler and, and Quentin Jefferson can move around and play different spots. And so they're replacing Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips with – three players who I think in totality bring more to the table. Uh, and I think the defensive line is better than it was I at the too. beginning of the week. Uh, even, you know, when Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson were still under contract, I think they've improved. I'm intrigued by Vernon Butler. I, I liked him coming out of college and thought he was a, a player that he was a player. The bills had interest in then that was before Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean arrived had a really good year last year um, playing as sort of a defensive end in a 3-4. He's probably, you know, a 3-tech most of the time. Can move over to 1-tech if you need him to. Um, he's that big and that strong. Didn't really work out the way Carolina hoped, but they had some scheme changes. He had some injuries. Sean McDermott only got to coach him for a year. So the fact that he wanted to come to Buffalo, play with, you know, guys that he's played with, Mario Addison, uh, Star Latule, play for Eric Washington and Sean McDermott again, I think is a good sign. I think there's a chance that there's some untapped potential there. Uh, Quentin Jefferson moved all over the defensive line in Seattle. What we were talking about with Stephon Diggs in terms of, you know, having that personality that, that you want, that that alpha dog personality. He's certainly got that. He had a great year last year. Uh, surprised Seattle didn't want him back, frankly, but a guy that you can move around. He could probably play a little bit of three-tech if you need him to, but he can also you know move, move around at defensive end. He can pretty much do it all outside of you probably don't want him at nose tackle uh, except in unique packages. And then Mario Addison, the best pass rusher of the bunch, a better pass rusher um, statistically than Shaq Lawson. And so, yeah, they they lost uh, two pretty good players in Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips, but they took that money that they saved by not signing those guys and added three guys who I think make them a better football team. I agree with you. Uh, I think Addison is a a slight upgrade to Shaq Lawson. And I think he's a better pass rusher, provides more, I guess, nuance and certainly more experience to the position and and uh, has shown a better ability to affect the quarterback than Shaq Lawson has been able to do consistently enough. Um, I wonder how this whole thing is going to play out. I know some think that Addison is a right end only, but I saw 
plenty of reps in Carolina where he played left end for them. They, they moved him around a bit. Uh, I think this is going to be a very fluid defensive line outside of maybe Jerry Hughes being settling into that that right end spot. Um, outside of him, I think there's a lot of potential for them just to kind of mix and match and do a little bit of everything. And uh, and certainly when you look at um, how they're kind of doing this whole thing, Ed Oliver is going to be the the three tech that gets the majority of the snaps. But I think they also want some versatility because. Star Latulale is a good run defender, but he offers you nothing as a pass rusher. And they needed something from that spot. And Harrison Phillips, of course, is coming back from his torn ACL. Um, Vernon Butler will be able to add into that. Quinton Jefferson will be able to add into that. And I know a lot of people saw all the moves that they made and were quick to go, all right, well, let's just uh, let's just cancel Trent Murphy's contract right now. But I don't know that there's necessarily a a a major push that they need to do that right now. They're still well under the salary cap. Unless they're really putting pen to paper with a lot of these extensions, they have plenty of room and they don't need a lot of room for their for their draft class this year because they no longer have a first round pick. So unless they're putting pen to paper with all these extensions, they have the flexibility to hold on to Trent Murphy. See how he kind of gets into uh fits into the rotation see if they could have a solid four person rotation with let's say Jefferson, Murphy, Hughes and Addison and go from there because there's there's no use in cutting a guy if you're not going to do anything with the cap space by itself and i suppose you can you can uh roll it over to next year if you want but i mean you can still do that and hang on to him through training camp and then cut him if he if he's just not going to be a fit. Or if you wind up getting a pass rusher at 54 overall or even in the third round that, that you want to develop behind some of these veteran guys, then that's the time where you you do away with Trent Murphy. But the time for doing that right now is is not there. He's still he's still an, an average to slightly above average player. And I know he gets kind of a, a bad shtick with fans because he's uh he's not the impact pass rusher that a lot of people thought they were going to get when he signed on the dotted line, but he's still a serviceable, good rotational player. And if you're getting 30 to 40% of snaps out of Trent Murphy, that's a good rotational piece. A high price, mind you, but they can afford that right now, which is part of that that window that we're talking about here. So I don't think there's there's a major push to do so. Yeah, it depends what other deals right, they exactly. have in the works or what else might materialize in the coming days. If If it becomes a need to do so, they can do it. If it doesn't, they can delay that decision and, you know, still save the money. I mean, you're probably only getting, you know, one good year out of Trent Murphy at this point, you know, left, but you still kind of need him. Uh, I think based on how this is set up, you'd rather have him than not, unless you can find a way to upgrade or find a better way to use that money. Uh, I think... He started to come on towards the end of last season. Uh, you know, played some played well in the playoffs. So I think it, it's wise to wait on that that decision and see how the rest of the defensive line shakes out. If you need the room, which you might, if, if you know they draft a guy or, or something like that, then yeah, move on. But um, they're not. They don't have to be in a rush to do so uh, unless an opportunity presents itself in the next couple of days where. 
uh, they want to make another run at, at a high price free agent. Yeah. And I think that really the, the only other move of substance here that, that we need to get into, um, it will be the, the AJ Klein deal and what it represents for the rest of the defense, because this is, this is a player that is not similar to Lorenzo Alexander. It's not a specific plug um, and he can just do all the different things that, that Lorenzo Alexander was able to do that could offer um, with one roster spot. Can he play special teams? Yes. Can he play that outside linebacker role that uh, that Lorenzo Alexander did in base defense? Yes. And that's those are going to be his primary responsibilities. But on third downs and when teams go into their nickel formations, uh, there really isn't an opportunity for A.J. Klein to be on the field unless – you you have uh, you have an injury to one of Tremaine Edmonds or Matt Milano. So the good part is you have more depth to those guys than you did last year because you know having Lorenzo Alexander as one of your two linebackers in nickel formations was not exactly an ideal scenario for them. So that is an upgrade, but you also downgrade with the third down stuff and the obvious passing down stuff, which is why. They focused so much on adding pieces to the defensive line that could that all serve one purpose, and that's to put some more heat on the quarterback. So, uh, so I I didn't mind the deal. I still have to to watch AJ Klein to see what he's all about. But conceptually, I think I think it makes sense. But I also believe that they're still very much in the conversation for that uh, that big nickel Buffalo role that we've been talking about here on the podcast and not over on the athletic um, in the draft, if they can find themselves one. So it Klein is fine. Didn't mean to rhyme there, but you know, this, I think there's still opportunity for other moves there. Yeah. I think they're filling what Lorenzo Alexander did with multiple players, which is what you would expect them to do because not many players can do what Lorenzo Alexander did, Um, you know, playing, with his hand in the dirt on the interior of the line um, in certain packages, you're just not going to find that from too many outside linebackers. But I think Klein, you know, again, what three, at least three of the free agents they've brought in have uh, Panther connections. He's one of them. Uh, And Josh Norman who's the fourth. Oh, Josh (laughs) Norman. Yeah. I I was thinking more this week. So yeah, yeah, four. Um, uh, four, if you, if you count Norman before the, the, you know, legal tampering window opened and three of the guys that they agreed to in the last couple of days all played in Carolina. It's, you know, I understand why people roll their eyes at it, but it is a nice benefit to have a guy that, you know, can assimilate to, to the room pretty easily, you know, seamlessly transition into a defensive system that he knows well. And, it's got to be encouraging in some regard that these guys who um, you who know Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean well are choosing to play for them again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's you know something that that's not a bad thing. So I think Klein's a nice nice little piece for them, but uh, I don't think I don't know that hardly anything they've done in the last couple of days really drastically changes what they're going to do in the draft, other than they're not going to be picking in the first round. Right. Uh, and the Stefan Diggs trade certainly, um, you know, made that happen, but they could still pick a wide receiver at some point. Um, they could certainly still use some, some help on the edge. And 
I think, you know, linebacker or like you said, that big nickel role could certainly be in play for the right fit. So they've done what Brandon Bean likes to do. He said he said often that, you know, he likes to draft best player available in in the NFL draft and not be swayed by need. And the best way to make sure you're not swayed by need is to make sure you don't have that many glaring needs. Mm -hmm. And you can do that in free agency. They've smartly plugged some holes that that were there on the roster and now they can kind of go into the draft with an open mind and see how the board falls which they're gonna have to wait a little while now but uh they'll they'll be some options to continue to upgrade on both sides of the ball uh, on day two absolutely everything should be on the table at 54th overall from wide receiver to offensive line to cornerback to defensive end um to a linebacker uh, maybe even a safety to develop in the background. Uh, but that's that big nickel role we're talking about more than anything. Um, you know, I, I think everything except maybe quarterback, I would, th- I would lump running back in there and probably tight end as well. Those are probably the three areas I wouldn't touch, but everything else should be in under consideration for them heading into this draft, which means that Brandon Bean has done a nice job so far and he's continued to build up this roster and trying to figure out if uh if they can become a bona fide contender rather than just a wild card contender all right well um that's a good place to end it this this time around um the bills probably will have some more stuff coming down the the hopper here uh as as the weekend takes shape and the rest of the week takes shape so uh we'll we'll be sure to Speak with you all about that next week. Matthew Fairburn, are you going with, with uh, Gabbard again as your sign-off? Well, I do wonder. Uh-oh. You know, this is a pretty big week for Blaine Gabbard because he's now going to be backing up Tom Brady. Wow. Unless, unless New England wants to give Blaine a shot. Who's to say? <laughs> it's an option. Probably a low cost one. Who knows? We didn't even hear that or he's going to get to to learn behind uh learn behind one of the greats. So it's a good week for Blaine Gabbert. It, I I I suppose that's that's your sign off. It's a good week for Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> It's always a good week for Blaine Gabbert, but this is an especially good week for Blaine Gabbert. I'm fascinated to see what New England does at, at quarterback. Uh, okay, I'm really looking forward to that situation, and I, personally, I'm just—I would love to see a marriage of Jameis Winston and Bill Belichick together. Probably will never happen, but it, it would be hilarious if if it does. All right, so um, we have a boatload of stuff over at The Athletic right now. And um, if you want to read anything about this Stefan Diggs deal, Matthew Fairburn has a column up about it. We have a bit of a back and forth about it. Uh, Tim Graham dug deep into people that knew him uh, in, in terms of some of the concerns that, that there might be with him and, and how things kind of dissipated last year in Minnesota. That's up there. Uh, any news on um, free agency around the NFL, of course, and uh, if you want to get in for a uh, a price cut there, 
you can head to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat and get 40% off your yearly subscription. Again, that's theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat. So for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Pascalia. Thank you all for listening to the free agency edition of the Buffalo Beat, and we will talk to you next week. See you then.